content warning. This episode features defense of police violence, normalization of death, discussion of the horrors of the night, as well as witnessing. It shall not be seen by human eyes. With a single quiet moment to think, I am brought back to the events of last night. The Ronin of Porosuko committed a crime and demanded satisfaction. The process of dueling one of their number over this matter, I received an ugly cut to the shoulder. Kitsune Anand has recommended that I keep the bandages on my shoulder clean and fresh, and that after a parlay with the Shinjo, I find an attendant physician. Can only hope this was the ugliest part of our hunt for the beast, Nagokita. I would like to thank Robert Fulkerson and John Carico for uh, being our patrons. You guys are the best. Your five men escort plus Anand, they are very quiet. They seem to be more to keep you in check than anything else, and they seem to be carting you along. Are any of the unicorn talkative, or are they pretty much just focused on riding? They seem to be very unfriendly to you, to be honest. They don't seem pleased at all. So the the most polite thing that they can do is not talk to you. You get closer to Shinoman, and it dominates the horizon in three directions. The ruined forest keep lives up to its name. Half of it has already been reclaimed by the Shinomen, and the walls that uh, stand, they are covered in words and, and warnings, some of them familiar to you, some clearly foreign in look and power, and the courtyard seems to be filled with tents. The central keep and the barracks, they have been critically repaired. There seems to be work still going on over the roof, and above the crumbling rocks stand the banners and regalia of the unicorn, proudly presented alongside the Ronin heraldry that you have seen quite a few times around Hirosaka and Split Rock Village, the heraldry of the Guards Rot Band. Your escort dismount and lead you to a small guest house. You can get ready to see the lich. As we dismount and get ready, Aiko will softly ask, Miroru-san, do you require extra assistance in speaking, or are you present enough? I am more than present enough to have these sorts of conversations, Aiko-san. Very well. And uh, guest house is waiting to as if waiting to take you to the main house, you see an old samurai balancing against a cane, taking a good look at you and approaching the group. Oh, you must be the Emerald Magistrate, Bayushi Minoru. I am Bayushi Minoru. You seem to have me at a disadvantage. You are? My name is Parisu. I'm, I am kind of a sensei here, even if my days have been long gone fighting. I am pretty interwined with the, our little group. Now, I have heard about you. I 
heard how you managed to win over the Asuki to your side. Quite an impressive feat, but not as impressive as getting the secluded Hiramori to come out of hiding. I barely remember what they even look like. Now, Emerald Magistrate, as a good sensei and chancellor and advisor, I will be very interested to see how you intend to woo my liege with your words. Well, I am honored and surprised to hear that our exploits have traveled this far this fast. The true secret to negotiation is to simply treat your treat people as though they are your equals to talk to them frankly and honestly. And that is what I specialize in, despite rumors to the contrary of my clan. Elapse, as if you had said the most amusing thing. And he starts to walk slowly away, leaning on his cane, as if inviting you to follow him. Be a good boy, young man, and remind me later ask you a follow-up about how that strategy went with my leech. Um, Minoru will, if he's implying to follow now, Minoru will follow him now, smiling, making sure to walk with his strong side towards him, and just, hopefully it will go well, Porosusama. You enter the main hall. It is a dilapidated room. There is no painted chosen screens. There is not nice floral arrangements or pieces of art. It seems quite drab with wide ramps and doors as if to let riders just enter directly inside. Quite open space. Gargantuan even. And you can barely see beyond the lanterns as the roof is still under repairs and you can hear the birds nesting on it and the workers fluffing around. And as you get closer, you see that the repairs are so awkward that it seems to be supported by pillars inside the meeting hall. Massive, carved, ancient blocks of stone of unknown origin and of an unusual artistic style. They are both decoration as load-bearing. The serpentine designs cast odd shifting shadows as you move and they seem to be weirdly alive during the mesmerizing flames of candlelight. Strong scented incense burns, almost forcing an occupation of your mouth, as if that is the only thing that you would be able to taste for hours. Proceeding over this gathering of old stone and fresh smells, lies a raised stone dais, and Uyushu languishes over it. Ritual scars or tattoos complement intricate jewelry, slowly guiding your gaze towards their eyes. 
you feel stared back by a presence so awesome that makes any notion of gendered pronouns vanish from your mind in their inadequacy. They lift their head as if tasting the same air that you dare to disturb with your presence. In their silence, they utter volumes as six samurai stand near them. The silence is interrupted by the gentle tapping of Porisu's cane as he approaches. And he seems to introduce the four of you more for your benefit than anything else. After he's done introducing us, Minoru shows this person all the proper decorum that you would show any daimyo of a province. Aiko will humbly step forward and hold out the parcel uh, and unwrap it just enough to reveal a finely crafted katana. And he unsheathes it a little bit to show the mark on the blade of a renowned Kakita swordsmith. And wrapped around the pommel is a poem detailing the exploits of Kakita as he was a wandering warrior across the beginning of the empire, creating fame and forging his own legacy. And Aiko bows deeply and presents this and says, Shinjo-sama, we have heard great tales of your exploits, of your talent, martial prowess, and leadership. I present to you this gift as a representative of the respect that is held for heroes who carve a path for themselves. One of the attendants, samurai, grabs the sword and climbs to the dais and presents it to them. They languish lazily as if circling around the sword. They seem to lean on it and they narrow their eyes, look back at you, Aiko, and you feel the weight of something impossible old when you meet their gaze. And you are barely talked back to reality when uh, Poriso speaks. My lineage is very grateful by your gift. They appreciate the value and the recognition that such unique blade implies. Aiko will bow and politely back away to stand back behind Minoru at his left, never turning around so that his back isn't shown to the Shinjo. The Shinjo seems to be pulling back as I've ready to dart and attack. And you see their judging eyes to fall between Ajime and Yuzume. And you can feel a wave of sheer disgust as they stare at you. And Porisu tells something to Anand. And the nun seems quite displeased. Lige Huyusu has noticed that you might require additional purification, which they failed to provide before you were brought here. And they are conflicted that they were not able to offer you the hospitality that such act deserves. As you can see that he's struggling to to dress up this into a nicer language. They wish to offer you 
a way to correct their failure as stewards and offer and offer again hospitality to the two of you so that you might purify from the and what is so interrupts him from the appalling slaying of your own kin. Those are the words of my leech. You may well look up at them and blink and say, my technique is not up to scratch of late. Thank you. And bows ahead and backs out. Hajime just kind of agrees and bows and, and backs out as well. Marisus follows behind you slowly to take you to the nearest shrine. And the user seems to relax. And once again, they languish on their dais as if they expect you, Minoru, to tell, tell them what this visit is all about. Minoru, without missing a beat, as soon as he sees them languish and make it clear that Minoru is going to be carrying this. Honorable Shinjo-sama, we have been sent here to hunt down Nagokita and his band of murderers. We departed Hirosaka as soon as we had the message. Traveled here late last night. We encountered one of his men, a Sugimoto, impersonating the abbot at the Shrine to the Fortune of Ronin. They were storing loot in a sacred temple and were meaning to exchange it for yet more weapons. We defeated them and I traveled here as swiftly as possible. We now know where Nagokita is hiding and I would be very much honored and pleased if some of your garrison would accompany us to help bring him to Imperial Justice. I stared at one of the other running attendants as if having a lot of questions. And after some intense silence, the Duronin they were staring at turns to you. My liege is grateful for your attention and bids you good luck on your endeavor and commands you on your success so far. Thank you, Shinjo-sama. I am... I am glad that you would honor us with, with some moments of your time. Simply, your men told us how busy you were. If you are not put out by it, we would be honored to indulge in your hospitality until morning tomorrow, and then I, we will happily depart and attempt to finish our hunt for Nagokita. The they, lean, they lean towards another attendant, and they turn. And after what seems to be a shorter exchange of stairs, the tenant turns. Our liege will be pleased to extend any hospitality you need. However, they have a request from you that the person you seek has been a blight open the land they hold the stewardship over. And they would rather see that you don't inflict further harm whenever possible. As you wish. Shinjo-sama, these are your lands. I am merely carrying out my duty upon them. I don't wish to spill innocent blood. Those are all the requests that the Emerald Office has from... From our liege, they bid you. It's your free use of the facilities. And Anan looks like you, like, go on? Shinjo-sama, in addition, I know it is impolite for us to show up with 
without completing our duty yet and to speak of other matters, we are very unfamiliar with this land. Can you inform us about... As you go on about that, you can see they immediately losing attention and just staring at something in the darkness board. And Anand just stares at you, grinding his teeth. And finally, one of the other running says, My liege has little time to consult the affairs of the Brotherhood. They have not had the opportunity to explore those parts of their lands. So you are escorted out of the hall and you are taken to a shrine. Yuzume, as you look into the shrine, it becomes obvious that this is way older than the castle is, that this is something centuries old, way older than the 8th century castle that has been restored by the unicorn and they built the castle to incorporate the shrine. How did you figure this out? The shrine looks as though it's been worn away for a, a very long time. It's mostly stone. You can see there's still like some moss around the bottom where they haven't quite managed to clean off everything. Though they, they clearly take a lot of care over it. Um, the carvings that have been worn away look kind of like a, a pond with a bell over it that show that it's a shrine to Jizo, who's the Fortune of Mercy, which is a very unicorn kind of shrine to have, Yuzumeth, which makes her think like, yeah, this is from, this is maybe from uh, before they left to go to the Burning Sands. A very old, old, old shrine. And it is just a small number of attendants and staff. So the two of you are left alone to perform your rites and to await as well as consider why the Lich of the Unicorn had such harsh words for the two of you. Hajime is very much following uh, Yuzume's lead here. He, I think, is fairly well-versed in a lot of like spiritual practice, having grown up as an Asahina, but he is still fairly unfamiliar with what would be kind of the right way to go about things the way that Ashugenja would know. So he is definitely following Yuzume's lead, but I think there comes a point where they are just being very silent and kind of respectful, just kind of a, a point where they're just sort of resting. And he knows, or at least he thinks he knows why he was so firmly and out of hand dismissed because he still feels just I think every time he closes his eyes, he sees blood dripping off of his own sword from before. And after a moment, this silence kind of breaks as he says very quietly, Yuzume, have you ever, have you ever taken a life before? Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah, there is a moment of pause. And then he says, how do you stop yourself from thinking about it? Well. <laughs> As always, having a drink or two, I suppose. But is this not something your school prepared you for, Asahina-san? He chuckles a little, very dryly, and uh, says, Did I not seem as if I was prepared? Perhaps before, but if you were not 
sure what to do in the aftermath, then I must say it feels as though the Academy must have failed you in some respect. They should have taught you about what comes after. I think he gets a little tense and says, the Academy I did the very best that they could, and I certainly will not lay this failure at their feet, but thank you for your advice. And he uh, drops his head a little bit and sort of looks back down at the floor. Just make sure you don't drop the failure at your own feet, Azeena-san. It's not there that it belongs. I think from that point on, unless Yuzume feels differently or unless there are prayers that we need to say out loud, he tries to go through the rest of the motions in in silence. But I think as they start to finish up and, and walk away, he kind of lags behind for a minute and stops and his shoulders drop a little bit. He says, Yuzume... Son, thank you for thank you for your advice. I do not know if it will help, but thank you for giving it nevertheless. You're welcome, Asahina San, but I beg of you, do not follow it too closely. You will not find the comfort that you seek at the bottom of a bottle. After Yuzume leads Ajime out of the hall, Aiko you are given the time to touch base with Kitsune Amnand and Minoru before you resume your conversation with the Lich of the Unicorn that controls these lands. And you can see that uh, Anand is obviously distressed about the distaste of uh, Uyushu about Ajime and the actions that linger around him. They seem a bit distracted about how this can play out in the negotiations. Aiko will lean in a little bit to kind of create an atmosphere of intimacy or closeness and softly offer, I apologize on behalf of my companion. He is young and naive and often can take actions without fully considering their repercussions. I do hope that you and I can speak to one another now and find some way for this to be a benefit of both parties that we represent. Tojisama, this is why I was afraid of the events last night. I knew that this kind of repercussion will happen. I'm afraid that we might have Rylad Uyusu. You should be careful when addressing them. We don't know from which position you will be arguing. However, if the unicorn are to succeed on this region, if they are to actually prosper here, the things that we talked before, well, they need to be accomplished. Otherwise, there are other clans that would see them gone. I agree. The unicorn position here is earned through valor and noble deeds, but it needs to be solidified. And I believe from what I have seen that your liege and the actions of the unicorn here can lead to prosperity and success in this time. I am willing to offer the full acknowledgement of the efforts of the unicorn here on behalf of Lady Doji Hotaru herself in light of the noble deeds and continued valor in protecting these lands. I would not want to see such actions 
cast aside for lack of recognition in the high courts of Rokugan. Anand is going to say something, but uh, there is movement shaking the paper screen, and you can see one of the members of the Gwarzrat turning around to summon you back into the hall. Aiko gives Anand a little nod and then follows the summons. You return to the Cyclopean Hall as sunrise break through the crumbling rooftop, and once again, you make to the stone dais from which a languishing Uyushu stands court, and they stare at you with their indescribable gaze as they await for you to say your piece. Aiko takes a moment to breathe in deeply, survey the room around him, and then looks up at the unicorn leader on the dais and says, Great leader of the unicorn and liege of these lands, I apologize for the impropriety that has transgressed in your court, and I come forward now seeking betterment, solutions for this insult. I am aware that you have secured these lands and taken great action in order to safeguard the people within, that there will not be further transgressions. And I would like to speak on behalf of Lady Doji Hotaru in the acknowledgement and praise of your actions, as they are ones of valor and compassion. And Yushu lazily turns to Poriso and... Porisu leans on his cane and coughs, and awkwardly he says, My liege asks why Dojiateru has others speak for her in such matters, and they wonder if that is going to be how business is going to proceed, if there will be to be a close relationship with Crane. Aiko considers the statement for a moment before replying, My lady Hotaru is greatly pressed at the moment with aggression from the Lion Clan and is occupied in many matters. She has authorized me to speak in her stead in places that she cannot attend at the moment. However, I fully intend to write a letter to my lady this very evening, instructing her and educating her on the events here in your lands so that she may be able to personally attend to these matters at her personal convenience. If not her herself, I am sure that she will be able to send someone from her personal staff to show forth the crane's goodwill in this matter. I am merely a humble servant seeking to be my lady's eyes and ears. Ayushu seems to be a bit bored as their eyes go across between the massive shadows cast by the serpentine pillars. And Anand nods at you, signaling for you to proceed. In my short time here, I have noticed that you have a great richness of land, able and open to be explored. You have talented craftsmen, artisans, and skilled laborers that are a quality unto themselves. I wish to find a way to utilize my connections into the Emerald Office, the 
lands of Hirosaka and my connection to the crane to benefit and open expansions or trade in ways that you, my liege, find the most applicable to your lands. I am aware that as an outsider, I am not familiar with this territory, but I am sure there is some way that we can provide aid, assistance, or supplies to help cement and grow your control here. So they turn again to Porisu, and Porisu, after a moment, asks of Aiko, My liege sees a great beauty and potential on these lands, but they are curious about how increased commerce and increased traffic could benefit or enhance its features. They would like to hear from you examples of how this land can be improved and why that would be desirable. I thank you for the grace and permission to speak on this behalf. The first proposal that comes to mind is members of the Daidoji Trading Council could establish an outpost somewhere within your permission, of course, and ensure that a larger connection of contacts and merchants from the east or north of Rokugan are made aware of the wondrous crafts and goods that are produced here in this area. Additionally, this could bring in potential skilled or unskilled labor from other lands, seeking their chance to learn and add their talent to that which is produced here within your sphere of influence. Alternatively, you could find willing and displaced individuals from the recent deluge in Hirosaka seeking new places to live. It seems to my eye that there are many areas that new villages or towns could be expanded and built upon, further increasing the amount of production and trade resources that are produced under your leash's eye. Are you sure leaks their lips? And Poriso coughs. <coughs> My leech still fails to understand the very basic principle. Is this desirable? Will this improve people's lives? Yes, my liege. This will provide the people under your service increased avenues for prosperity, increased usefulness as time goes on, better homes, places to live, and safer structures. It will provide them greater recognition and respect from others outside of your lands, providing new and exciting ways for your people to be recognized and understood by others who may dismiss them for lack of understanding. It usually seems extremely contemplative, and after some consideration, Pariso gives their point of view. That seems to be desirable for all parties. It seems that everyone gets to benefit from this. My liege will be amenable to such efforts and would welcome more subjects of uh, Leidetero. 
Ike will provide a deep, sweeping bow and say, If it is agreeable to my liege, I will begin the proper letters of introduction, recommendation, and paperwork that my clan and my office are so fond of that they will begin to act on these suggestions. And Ayushu seems pleased, and they put their back against the stone throne and they narrow their eyes. And Porisu turns, well, Doji-sama, is that going to be all? Aiko straightens himself from his bow and says, I believe I have one more offering of goodwill and a promise of respect between your people and those within Rokugan. Aika will present a, a written document signed with Minoru's uh, personal seal on the seal of the Emerald Office and say, this document um, provided by the Emerald Magistrate of the Emerald Office that I attend to provides a full pardon for past actions, amnesty from Bayushi Minoru, Emerald Magistrate, and Aiko holds out his hands to prevent the document in case um, they would like to take it and examine it. You can see something that might pass as confusion in the ancient eyes of Uyushu, and you can see Porisu almost dropping his cane as he bows, and by the, the speed of the answer, you can be sure that it's not... He's not speaking for uh, for his leech. It's his own words. It is magnanimous of the Emerald Office to confer this grace upon my people. The Gwarzrat have always served the Empire in the manner that they called to do their station and means in life. And we only have sought to do more of that ever since we were accepted into the Unicorn. To see this service recognized in such matter by such august individuals uh, is something that we will not easily forget. It is no small feat that uh, is being accomplished here, Doji-sama. It is no small feat, which is deserved, for the actions taken by your men was no small decision. We are glad to see that the Emerald Office can work alongside and with the Unicorn here, and we look forward to a prosperous and peaceful continued relationship. And Oyushu seems to take a sovereign stance, trying to recover, not knowing exactly what has just transpired, and... They seem to be taking control of the situation with a baleful stare. Yes, uh, my liege, my liege is grateful. Yes, but uh, there are other matters. They know what you seek to do here beyond this negotiation, and they know how you have conducted last night ever since you arrived in Orleans. And you don't need to turn back the, to Anand to see that the fox is mounting a curse behind the fan. My liege, they are worried 
about the keen slaying that is going on. And this is not the kind of behavior that they would like to see normalized. And they ask for a show of goodwill. They ask if when pursuing this criminal, this false lord, that you avoid as much bloodshed as possible and that you avoid killing any other kin. Iko considers the enormity of the request and then draws himself up to full height and says, you have my word as a samurai, as an advisor to the Emerald Office, and as an established servant of Lady Hataru, that the actions we take under Emerald Magistrate Bayushi Minoru will be done with the least kinslaying at all possible, given the situation's demands. I personally swear it on my honor. Are you sure they don't seem, well, as far as you can make from their, from their expression, they don't seem quite pleased. And you can see their nostrils flaring before calming down. As they seem to accept that the reality of the situation, that it's not really something that you have much control over. And they seem amenable for this compromise. And they give you a curt nod. And Porisu continues. My liege is amenable to this. They will give you their blessing, and they bite you good luck on your endeavor, and they hope that however this matter is resolved, the outcome is the best possible for all parties. Aiko gives a final respectful bow and says, I am blessed with your time and consideration, my liege, and I will do my utmost to ensure everything here is carried out to our agreement and that future relations can continue to be built upon for the peaceful profit of both sides. And then Aiko will respectfully exit the courtroom. Yeah, as you as you leave, you pass in front of Anand and he folds his fan and taps it twice against his wrist, as if asking, Wait, that's it? That that's everything? Really? Just some fake promises of crane crane settlements and support from Lady Ateru and an amnesty. They are very uh, expressive tappings of the wrist. Aiko keeps his chin held high and notices the the clear signal, but doesn't give any response at this moment because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to like mess up the the proper leaving of the room in front of Oyushu. Yeah, speaking of Oyushu, you are like two thirds away from the dais across the enormous hall, and the path separating the two of you is covered in the shadows of the strange columns. But you still feel their eyes on your back, a burning presence. 
how does Aiku feel being under the scrutiny of this overwhelming leech? Aiko has had the eyes of great and influential individuals on him ever since he was little. From the time that Doji Satsume hand-selected him for his, his personal training, to his times in court, to the travels throughout the Empire. But in all those years of having great personalities of power and prestige watching his movements, he's never felt that spine-tingling chill that goes down his back like he has under Oyusha's gaze. And as you are outside of the hall, you hear a familiar tapping of a cane against the floor, and you see the curved figure of Poiso that somehow was here faster than you were, uh, shackling, well, young noble, that went better than we could expect. I meant it. I'll not forget what you did for us. Aiko gives a friendly bow to Portisu and says, In all my travels across the Empire, in all my training, I believe it has become clear that I am unfamiliar with the attitudes and desires of your liege. I am glad that our first meeting has worked out to the benefit of both, and I do hope that as I grow in familiarity with these lands and the people within, I am able to continue these beneficial talks between us. I don't expect you to understand, but when you are a person of the waves, you have to do things that you are not proud of, harmful things. We started the Guar's Rat and we founded Porisuku so that we could do something to repay for that harm. We never expected to ever fulfill this never-ending debt, but this imperial burden, well, it is the closest that we can get from an acknowledgement from the universe that our path to redemption is really making some good in the world. And I'm glad that I was able to see that before I die. Aiko smiles fondly and says, though you are men of the waves, you know, cast out on your journeys and trials, you still hold compassion and honor in your hearts. And speaking honestly, there are a great many samurai from long-standing heritages that could learn things about true character if they spent time with you all. I thank you for your audience and your time, Kurisu-san, and I wish you a blessed day. Kurisu nods and makes his way back to the hall. So, Hajime, tonight is one of those nights, you know the nights which you have too much in your head, cannot sleep easily. What is keeping you turning around in your bed? The level at which this that whole scene escalated so quickly and then I mean, it, it, Hajime has never actually killed another person and... Uh, the training very clearly took over, but he is still extremely shaken by that. So when we see him, we're seeing him instead of laying down uh, in his bed. I don't think he's even trying to fall asleep anymore. He is he has his back against a wall. He is holding a cup of tea, which has long since gone cold. And it's kind of just sitting in his hand and he's sort of staring 
out the open window kind of thousand yard stare like middle distance not really paying attention he is probably shaking a little and i don't even think he really registered that like this was going to be something that he needed to talk to others others about or get anything on his like off his chest about it up until he was by himself with his thoughts is that when you start to listen to the tapping on the roof at first you think that it was rain but there's no rain that sounds like this it starts like a gentle tapping and soon it seems to drag like hands slipping from a rope or the leaning of a leaf against paper but it seems to be happening too fast as if there are things growing on the roof and there is this sense of rising weight as the tap seems closer and closer. Hajime goes to, I think, pick up his sword. He does tense up a little bit. And again, the training kind of takes over to an extent. He's, he's you know, focused in, in the way that he would be expected to be for a fight. But he starts kind of, I think, very slowly moving toward the the balcony and kind of trying to pinpoint where this sound is coming from above him. As you go into the balcony, it shakes a bit under your weight and you can see that it's almost in ruins. The stones covered in lichens. There are boards and planks keeping it barely in place. And you are relieved that there is no wind tonight because you get the feeling that if not for your gentle steps, it will collapse under you or worse. As you stand there... You can hear the tapping for a moment more, something shining from the rooftops and a sudden stillness as the tapping stops and you feel yourself observed. I think very slowly and carefully, I try to see what it is that is looking at me. And I'm not I'm not outright raising my sword, but I am definitely making sure that I have a good grip on it to swing it if I need to. (laughs) you hear a giggle that is distorted by the echo of this place even if there is surely no echo considering how many walls have been crumbled and how open even this part of the castle is the voice seems to be coming from the stones themselves your reputation precedes you asahina I am excited to witness the Razor Federate Crane's display firsthand. Is that what you are offering to do? Reaching for your sword? Hajime, I think, is shaking slightly and he says, Who, who's, who's there? Show yourself. Come forward. He does so very, very carefully. Still hands on, still not raising it, but definitely, I think, tense. Careful, but not careful enough. There is a crack. And one of the planks supporting it snaps into and the balcony crumbles underneath Azahina's feet. And as the void welcomes him, Ajime, how do you try to save yourself from falling to your death? I think what happens almost reflexively is he, the top half of his body just twists and instead of going two hands on the hilt of his sword, he essentially turns and tries to use it as a hook from some point of stability in 
you know, the more structurally sound part of the building, basically trying to grab with that and with the other hand, just trying to just trying to get a handhold. I, I think he is utterly panicked. This is a purely instinctive response. There isn't there isn't a lot of thought in it. Your reliance on your instincts saves you. And before you even fully comprehend what is happening, you find yourself dangling over the darkness, slowly but methodically climbing your way back into your room. As you climb, you can hear the giggle again, and you look at the horizon. You can see the line of the Shinoman Mori, and you can see the three lines moving if there was some heavy wind as the tapping becomes more intense, some trees shaking as if they are massive tails. Uh, he begins to back away, I think, towards, towards the door. He has his sword kind of like, I don't think it's up. I don't think it's in front of him, but it's, I mean, it's at this point, he is essentially... He's got it in a like sort of a low stance that if he needs to swing upward, that's what he is planning to do. And his eyes are darting everywhere. He's breathing heavily. He's panicked and wild-eyed and is trying to look for whatever this thing is. There seems to be no sign, no further reaction. As sudden as they started moving, the, the trees resume their stillness and the air grows stale as no wind steers. He stands there and I think continues to back up until his back is against the wall. Um, and I think if possible, he tries to get close to the door without sort of breaking that, that trajectory in this line of sight. And he stands there on guard for a very long time after he stops seeing anything. And at whatever point he is finally sure that, that, that like there's nothing there, I think he goes back and sits on his bed as he was before but instead of having the cup of tea in his hand now it is his sword and he is staring and he i don't think he sleeps that night he is awake all night and just waiting to see what happens the day dawns and with the light of day it seems that you are so you are not so sure about what exactly happened last night and you are so tired that you wonder if that was just your exhaustion playing tricks on you and how do you center yourself and try to make sense of what happened if anything happened at all i think once daylight comes he breathes a little easier yeah, once yeah, once there's some sort of natural light, he can feel a little more comfortable. So Hajime's sort of morning routine, as far as freshening up, is typically fairly elaborate, and he tries to go through the motions of that. I don't think he is as successful in looking very presentable as he typically is, but there is a comfort that comes just from doing it, just from going through those motions. He definitely doesn't go through the full process of, you know, cleaning himself up and, you know, fixing his hair the way he normally likes it and putting on any makeup that he would be wearing, but he definitely does feel a little more calmed by that. And once he feels a little bit safe, he goes downstairs and I think finds a place where he can order plenty of food, but still make sure that he is sitting and seeing the entire room.
The Emerald Lands, their wonders and horrors were played by Ludo. They can be found at Telethiel on Twitter and Ichio, as well as at Heroes of the Republic. Bayushi Minoru was played by Brad. He can be found on Discord at BZAJ1648 and at Twitter at BZAJDABarbarian. Sakai no Doji Eiko was played by Evan. He can be found on Facebook as Evan Strite, Discord as PushyMushy1871, and on fellow L5R actual play, Secondhand Strife. Soshi Yazume was played by Charlie. She can be found on Discord as Resilian and on Twitter at BowserJ, where you can find links to her L5R blog. Asahina Hajime was played by Sam. He can be found on Discord and Reddit as Live From My Basement and on Instagram at SJ Sidlacek. This is a Court Games podcast. You can find out more about them at Court Games Pod on Twitter or at their site, courtgamespod.com. Legend of the Five Rings is the intellectual property of Fantasy Flight Games.